Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Fertility Podcast. Gosh, 100 is not that far away. That's very exciting. If you've just found this podcast, welcome. Uh, This is a safe place for you if you're a man or a woman and you've found that your route to parenthood hasn't been as straightforward as you've hoped. I speak to all sorts of different people from fertility experts to people sharing their journeys, however that has taken them. And in today's episode... We're going to be speaking to two ladies whose fertility journey has led them to create comedy. Okay, now, at first, you might be like, oh, this is no laughing matter, and it really isn't. However, if when you're on your fertility journey, you can have a laugh along the way, and you can have a little bit of lightness amongst what is a massively overwhelming experience, then I think you bloody deserve it, don't you? So these two ladies will be explaining what they're doing with their work. I found them both on Twitter. Actually, I've been on both of their cases for a good long while and um, fate has brought them together in this one episode. So have a listen and I really hope you find this interesting. So I'm now going to welcome Wendy Littner to the podcast, a lady who I've been keeping tabs on for probably over a year now. <laughs> so welcome, Wendy, to the podcast. I can hear birds tweeting. It's lovely to Hi, hear. I'm so lovely happy to, to speak with you. <laughs> and you, where, tell me where you are. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada, and it finally feels like spring, so I thought I'd talk to you while I'm outside, if that's Love not it. too annoying for you. Well, it's much nicer than the grey Manchester day, although I have had a bit of sun here today. Oh, that is, it's not been much. grey days so far, so. Oh, well, let's hope you get some sun today. Is our first, yes. So, author of the Sad in the City blog and producer of a web series called How to Buy a Baby, I'm really keen to talk more about your journey. And one of the blog posts I read, because you write beautifully and... Oh, thank you. Your blog posts are pretty lengthy, so you need a good cup of tea whilst reading. Um, I'll try and keep them shorter. No, it's, it's not a criticism. <laughs> and I was reading one of them where you described how you were no longer going to be trying to have a biological child and I got a bit sad um so if you're happy to start at the kind of point where you realize it wasn't going to be straightforward and what that then meant with with you and your your childhood sweetheart I saw your husband my ta- yes <laughs> we have we have we've been boyfriend girlfriend since we were 11 and he's just the best man ever and I think like everyone I always imagined that we would have a biological child together and that just hasn't been the case and we've had to make peace with that and be excited about this new opportunity that we hope we hope adoption will work out for us um I guess the it's it's, it's strange with fertility treatments because it's also I mean there's a bit of a financial decision to it as well along with the emotional decision so it, it sort of we came to a point where we just felt like I felt emotionally I couldn't keep wondering whether or not I'd ever get the chance to have a pregnancy and have a biological child. And I felt like I needed to make peace with that and have that kind of closure so that I could move forward and be excited about um, being an adoptive mother. And and that whole acceptance of your situation, did you have counselling support? Was it the two of you talking it through? How did you get to that point? I would say a little bit of both. We did, because we, um, actually, we had found out quite early that we would we would need to use a sperm donor and in Canada here, when you have to use a third-party donor, there's mandatory counseling. So we had gone to talk about that aspect of it, and certainly my husband had to make peace before I did about the fact that a child wouldn't be biologically his. Uh, when it came time to deciding that we wouldn't be using my eggs either, it was more just the two of us just sort of 
talking about it and and it's it's difficult I, I mean there's days where I, I think I've made peace with it entirely and that the biology of course doesn't matter and it really doesn't but there are, of course I still have days where I still I'll see a pregnant woman or I'll see something and it's not it's not the, that the child needs to be biologically mine. It's more just the certainty and the peace of it all of just knowing that this is gonna that this is gonna happen. I feel like if somebody could just tell me, "Oh, I'll get to adopt a child in nine months," I would be equally as ecstatic. So I think it's less the I think it's less the wanting to the child to have a biological link to me as it is just wanting to be a mother so so desperately and wishing I had that peace and was able to be excited about more, more excited about getting to make a nursery and those things that I get to see a lot of my friends and family getting to do. Yeah. I mean, you'll know from going through the fertility treatment that time become such a massive part of your everyday life because you're waiting for this and then you've got this next part and you're so aware of time passing and so like you say just wanting to have that outcome that you hope for is again another kind of play of time isn't it that you have to manage it is and I feel like it's so hard I've tried all this like all the mindfulness stuff and I feel like I'm doing them sitting there being like am I mindful now am I mindful now how about now (laughs) and I feel like mindfulness during infertility is so difficult because I feel like I can only live to the next like to the next life event, hoping that then I'll be a mother. Like it's my birthday coming up. And I remember last year thinking, oh my goodness, like what if I'm not a mother by my next birthday? And of course it's my next birthday and I'm still not. And so I feel like I'm always living this, like in living into the future of, of like, then I'll start living once this happens. And so I find it very hard to be in the moment and enjoy enjoy things in the moment I imagine lots of people listening will will think that you're wishing you're wishing time away when you really don't want to be that's just it and like I still like I'm in my 30s I want to still enjoy my 30s I feel like it's not like having children is it's really easy and doesn't change your life and so I keep wanting to sort of like enjoy this time with my husband and and keep thinking like but it feels like I can only do that if I knew that a child was coming (laughs) Which, of course, life has no guarantees. (laughs) Let's talk a bit about how you've kind of managed it because you've written a lot, you blog a lot with your own blog that I mentioned and also for Huffington Post and and you've been making this web series and so you've obviously decided to to put how you're feeling out there um, publicly in, in the same way that, you know, I try to do with this podcast is use my experience to maybe help others. Tell me that whole process of, I suppose, sharing your innermost feelings with with the internet right well I have always been a writer well I've always wanted to be a writer and so I've always written nonfiction. so even um I cope with anxiety and so I feel like I've always written about that aspect of my life too so this just sort of meant just asking my husband for permission to tell our story rather than just my story which he was he was happy for me to do so making that transition to writing about infertility it was a little bit different only because there seemed to be such a stigma around it like nobody talked about it I felt like you you couldn't really talk about the fact that you were trying there's just so much secrecy around it and I just felt like oh my god I'm going through this like massive colossal thing that's consuming all my time and all my thoughts and I felt like I just needed to talk about it so I think I was writing about it somewhat selfishly and then once you start writing about it like I'm I was so inspired by people like you who have podcasts and things like that and you find these other people talking about it in this amazing community of people that are 
like have walked this path before you or are going through it and and really appreciate being able to have this community of support and this this dialogue and discussion around it that I think is so important. It's something that I know from the people that I've spoken to in the past that I've found on social media who write blogs. It's so cathartic when you put your feelings out there and then you have, even if it's just one person go, I felt that too. Like you say, you know, we can help each other on this thing that at least we all get, you know. It's not that your friends or your family don't feel for you but if they haven't been on this path as as you just said they don't get it and and as as I've mentioned you know quite a bit before you don't want pity and you don't want it to also be everything that your friends talk about that's exactly you don't want this to become your identity and you don't want pity but on the other hand they're like it's just so hard to know how to deal with it. It's so hard for friends and family to know exactly what to say. And I should say the flip side about opening yourself up about this stuff is that there are people that are very anti-fertility treatments and they're not very empathetic and are, are quite vocal. And I get hate mail all the time. Really? Um, I do, yes, from people that... that um, I've written a lot about um, IVF and Ontario here has um, just... I think it's been a year now that they fund one cycle of IVF treatment. And there was a lot of outrage. I wrote about that and there was a lot of outrage from people that their tax dollars shouldn't be, shouldn't be going to that. And I should just adopt and just sort of people not really, uh, not really accepting that infertility is qualified as a disease by the World Health Organization, I would say. Well, I mean, in the UK, I don't know how much you know about what's going on here, but there's, there's local kind of councils all over the UK cutting their funding. And it's that same discussion happening here that people think it's a lifestyle choice rather than something that, as you've said, is classified as a disease by the World Health Organization. And there's been a massive study in the UK of late of the effects of on mental health of you know infertility right absolutely and so definitely there's a lot of a lot of heated debate around that and as you were saying before I think if you haven't been through infertility you can't you can't begin to understand the pain I think you just even well-meaning friends and family that will that will say things I know they mean so well but I feel like unless you've really been through this and I think it's hard to, to truly understand now your web series, How to Buy a Baby, which I've seen the trailer for, you really do encapsulate that in the bookshop scene where there's the new mum saying she knows a someone who knew a someone and the couple that, that then, and I'll share the trailer on the show notes for this episode, but the couple who then kind of just say as it is what they're going through to a silenced new mum who realises she hasn't got a clue what she's talking about. It obviously presents what's going to be a really comedic take on the whole situation is that fair to say or does it have a dark twist i mean it's primarily it, it is a comedy but i think the subject matter is quite serious yeah um so it is about a couple going through ivf and so there is that roller coaster and sort of the up and down um but i did try to make it i thought if maybe i could make people laugh about it that it might be easier to sort of broach the conversation if we could maybe laugh about it and i mean there are parts of infertility that just feel absurd i mean the shots and the, I mean, just the loss of privacy does feel, I feel, I felt like there, I don't know, I prefer to laugh at things. So I just felt like maybe if I could find some of the funny parts of it, that it makes it more easier to talk about. But certainly there's still sadness underneath that because it's just, 
just because of the subject the subject matter that it is. But of course, because it's a web series and the episodes are so short, definitely the emotional journey of the couple is definitely compressed. Okay. But I hope will still be emotionally resonant and meaningful to people. So it's been quite a long time in production. And am I right in that you did a kind of crowdfunding or Kickstarter type project to raise funds for it? It's not funded by Kickstarter. It's being funded by the Independent Production Fund here in Canada. Okay. But the way they choose is sort of by... Um, one of the metrics that they use in picking a project is sort of how many views that the trailer has gotten and sort of like audience engagement. So we did a huge push to sort of show them. I felt like I had to prove the topic. Um, there was certainly a lot of question around from some of the funds that um, were looking at us. I was told that people might not want to laugh at this. And I felt like they do. They do want to laugh. They just haven't. People do want to talk about it and laugh. And they're allowed to. And I was really inspired by the comedian Tig Notaro that did that. Um, she did that performance about breast cancer. Okay, I haven't seen it. Is it Live? I think it's called Live. Okay. And she just does this outrageously hilarious performance talking about breast cancer. And I felt like if she could laugh about losing her breast, then I should certainly be able to laugh about not being able to have children. And so I just felt committed to making the series. And and I should say, sorry, in addition to the production fund, it's also being funded by the Canadian Broadcast Corporation here in Canada, our national broadcaster. Okay. So I know you've been in pre-production or you're in post-production. Where are you? We are now in post-production. So yay! we just, um, we, yay, we just <laughs> filmed and the actors, their name's Megan Heffern and Mark Ben David play the couple and they are just spectacular. And now we're just editing them together. So, and I just, I can't wait to share them. And I'm just so hopeful that everybody will like them. So explain how it will work with it being a web series, with us being, you know, joined by the wonders of the World Wide Web. But we're in the, we're in the UK. Well, I'm in the UK. People listen to this podcast all over the world. Are we literally going to be able to have access to it online? Yes, you will. You will be able to have access to it online. And I hope that you'll watch. <laughs> Damn right we will. And that it'll be, yes. Okay. Let's hope so. And with it, you then kind of have this baby, ironically, that I'm using that term, I know, but you have this baby that you can kind of, you can kind of put it to one side because you're on a pretty uh, exciting journey again. Do you want to tell me about that with what you and your husband are doing? Yes. So my husband and I, um, we've been approved to adopt here in Ontario and we're just hoping right now that a birth mother or father chooses us and thinks that we would, we would make good parents. And we're just so hopeful that somebody will see us and think that they want to be family with us. And as far as your friends and family and how much they know of what's going on, is, is everybody pretty informed every step of the way or have you just kind of brought everybody up to speed? Well, everybody's informed that we're adopting. I don't, I don't, I haven't really kept them informed so much sort of past that any, certainly any discussion with a birth mother or anything like that. Um, we do parenting training here and I thought that they said something so beautiful, which was that those details belong to the child and that's the child's story. And I just thought that that was so beautiful and such a beautiful way of looking at it. And I felt like that's true that you, that, you know, that maybe the child should hear first their own story before friends and family hear those, hear those details. And so yeah, we tried lovely. to be, yeah. So we tried to sort of put a, sort of put our arms around that idea so past the fact that we're adopting and we're hopeful um they're not really involved but certainly they've been so supportive and have been championing us every step of the way that's wonderful to hear well i look forward to keeping in touch now that we've spoken and hearing the progress and when can we expect then to get to watch the the web series 
Um, we don't know exactly yet. It'll probably be in the fall, but I will certainly keep you posted and cool. bu- bug you like crazy to watch it and share it. Definitely. Well, we'll put details of the trailer and you know your details so people because you're really you're really prominent on social media as well, so people can keep tabs on you. We're and... trying to build a community on Instagram if people want to follow us at How to Buy Baby. Okay. Well, I'm just also trying to get better with my old Instagram, so I'll make sure that that's all linked and I can. Yes, we'll follow each and... other. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Wendy, it's been lovely chatting finally. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your patience. Not I'm... at all. Well, I'm really curious to see it because, like you say, there is stigma attached to this subject, and with that comes. Uh, an element of sadness and to be able to laugh at this situation from somebody uh, as yourself who's who's not had the outcome from the fertility treatment that you'd hoped should say to those of us who have had fertility treatment and maybe had the outcome and might be trying again or people that are still going through it you know whatever stage that you can have some lightness with all of it because it's pretty full-on isn't it it is pretty full-on I think that's a perfect way of putting it (laughs) Some may disagree with me being a little bit lighthearted in that term. No, but, you know. I think it's definitely full on. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, look, best of luck with it. And we will Thank keep in so touch. Thank you so much. And we'll Thank you. I can't soon. wait to keep listening to all your amazing podcasts. I love everyone. Thank of them. you. All right. Well, you take okay. care. Me Thanks, too. Wendy. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. So as I've said, I will remind you once that web series from Wendy is available for us to watch. Hopefully we'll catch up with her again. And I'll put all her details on the show notes. Now we're going to hear from my second funny lady guest just after this. The Fertility Podcast is supported by IVF Matters, the UK's first online fertility clinic where you can order tests delivered to your door, have scans at multiple locations and speak to consultants in the comfort of your own home. It's a truly unique way to experience your fertility journey and you can find out more at ivfmatters.co.uk. I'm going to welcome Laurie Shandlefox to the podcast. She's a stand-up comic and author of Laughing is Conceivable, one woman's extremely funny peek into the extremely unfunny world of infertility. Laurie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm going to hold my hand up because Laurie and I were just chatting and I realised that I hadn't been recording her. So we're having a... That was our practice, Laurie, and we're now we're now going for it. I'm now you're going to get the real me. Now yeah. you've got me angry. Now exactly. you're going to get the real me. That was the warm-up. <laughs> well, we were talking about your fertility story because you have this um, e-book, Laughing is Conceivable, which is what's brought me to you because this episode is about... Not making light of infertility, but allowing us to have a little bit of a laugh about it because it sucks. And I want to start with your fertility journey because what I discovered from our chat today is that you're actually mum of triplets, which in itself I hope you laugh about and there's not too many tears about it when you're exhausted. Talk to me about your journey. Well, and lucky for the mum of triplets type of thing is you only get conscious about year five. So the first four weren't so bad for me because <laughs> I was barely here. How old are they? How old are you triplets? They're they're ten. They'll be right. eleven in July. Okay. So I've only I've only started to realize what's happened in the past couple of years. And also, fertility treatment and attitudes toward it has, has probably changed quite a bit since you had your treatment. It's true. It really is. And you wouldn't have thought so because that was in 2002 already. So you would think that things were very much, you know, modernized in people's thinkings and in the actual technology. But a lot has changed, especially in people's thinkings. I think it it is a much more an open subject and commonplace now and not as frowned upon. But I, when I was going through, my, my husband and I met very, I guess you could say late in life. I hesitate to say that now because it doesn't, you're in your 30s. It doesn't seem so late. But um, we 
tried for a year to for for me to get pregnant and that was already taking us to like 40 years old he's nine days older than i am um neither of us had been married before neither of us had kids so you know and that's really part of the reason to be honest why we met and got engaged and got married pretty quickly because we knew we wanted to have kids we knew that the clock was ticking and you know also when you're older and you get married then Mostly, you know, you all your relatives and everybody you want to invite is older. So that was another concern. So it kind of was a big rush to get married and start trying to have kids. Um, and we tried for a year on our own. And then, you know, kicking and screaming, I got schlepped into a fertility mm -hmm. clinic when I was almost 41 already. Went for that treatment for a year. I went through four rounds of IUI of none of that took. And to be honest, it was almost a relief that none of them took because Otherwise, you think, you know, IUI is very similar to just what you're doing on your own anyway. You know, it's not much yeah. different than intercourse. So you think, well, was it something we just weren't doing right? I don't know what you can be doing right. But, you know, you just think that if it happened that quickly when we first went for treatments, but it didn't happen. And I uh, went for a round of IVF and then that didn't happen. And then we did the frozen embryo transfer. And with the IVF, or the fresh group, they put in four and none of them took because of my age, you know, they figure we don't know how many goes we have at this. So then with the frozen, they put in three and that's who I've got. You're saying it didn't work because of your age, but then it did work because of your age. Had you been told that there was a problem with either of you or was it a kind of unexplained fertility diagnosis, which is the most frustrating? You know, everything had been eliminated that could be. You know, it's like nothing was blocked, nothing was missing, nothing was, you know, falling out, nothing was dangling, everything was fine. My husband, you know, couldn't have been any prouder how great his sperm turned out. He still keeps the results in his wallet to show people at parties, <laughs> at parties and things. Um, but, you know, it's, it really, no, it was, it was like the unspoken issue. Nobody wanted to say, well, it's your age. It kind of was just like the elephant in the room of, well, obviously it is your age because it's nothing else. And who cares if you've been working out for 20 years and eating well, your reproductive system really doesn't care. So that's what, you know, your eggs are just old. And so nobody said it, but really that's all that was left. So I think they just kind of left it on the table for us to draw our own conclusions. Do you think that, that then that was your mindset? And when you were first trying with the fertility treatment, you were thinking, it's probably not going to work, I'm too old. Do you think something changed when you had the frozen transfer and you were like, come on, do you think that was, because I'm a big believer in, obviously it's all about the science, but I'm also a big believer in having a, a positive mindset about it all as being beneficial. I mean, did anything change in the way you thought about it when you had those frozen, that frozen embryo transfer? Oh, that's that's so, so huge. I believe in that completely too, the whole mind-body thing and what you're, frame of mind is, I'll tell you the truth though, it was all so overwhelming with all the treatments and all the needles and all the doctor's appointments and all the finances. It was all so unbelievably overwhelming that my head was just in a total bubble with the whole thing. And it just almost became like our culture of just, well, you get up, you take this medicine, you go to the doctor's appointment, you go to work, pretend none of it happened, you come home, you take the shots, all of those things became so part of our daily existence that when I when it did work, I was like, what just happened? What do you mean? 
But, you know, it's like all of a sudden my life is not going to be that anymore. It just, you know, I turned off like almost it was like this alternate reality of just living in the world of infertility and IVF, that the idea that any of it was actually going to amount, even though I was disappointed when I didn't get pregnant each time, it was almost like that was what I was getting used to. It's, it's so consuming. And obviously, you blog and you have your stand-up, so you have this outlet. Were you using that during this process? Had you already started? I mean, the excerpt of, of your book that I read, you describe your husband practicing his astronomy with the shots on your derriere. I love that picture painting that, that you created there. What, were you keeping a journal or what have you when you were going through it? Well, you know what? I've been writing humor and comedy and stand-up routines and magazine stuff for so many years that that was just always sort of like my go-to thing. So when I started writing this book, I had no idea until the last chapter, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. And I didn't even really write it necessarily to help other people as much as like what you're saying with journaling. I didn't really keep a journal, but this was sort of my version of it. I was writing stuff to sort it out for myself, to help myself get through it, because it all seemed so bizarre. Not only was it overwhelming, but just like that, like, well, wait a second, you, your husband's going to like bend you over a sink and put ice on your butt and stick a needle in it? What? What? You know what I mean? All Everything they told me sounded so weird. And when I, the fir- I think the first time I started writing was when we first went to the doctor's office and the nurse is showing me and she's talking very fast and she's saying, oh, you're just going to take this needle and you're going to put it in this vial and it's got this oil in it and you're going to take out like this amount of centimeters and this and that and then you're going to stick it in the subcutaneous part of your stomach. And I said, wait a second, my degree is in Spanish. And I thought, how could I possibly do that? So all that stuff seemed so like you're in this weird dream. So I kind of just started writing it all out because I, I just, just to kind of try to process it, everything's thrown at you at once. Like, you know, like you're in this tornado and I just couldn't get a handle of it and I was getting really anxious from it all. And we're talking 10 years ago, so was there much support? I mean, did you have anyone you could talk to other than your husband? Well, you know what? It's it's very weird because some of it, here I was writing and then I and then after that I was thinking about doing a blog and all of this. And yet, and I know you kind of went through this too, I kind of was still in the closet about the whole thing. Yeah. And I think part of it was I didn't want people to know my business, but I know this is going to sound strange, but I didn't want to know my business either. You know, it's like it was it was sort of like kept in this this secret crevice in my head. And if I didn't share it with anybody, then it could be like it wasn't happening. Yeah, you know, that. we'll just go about our lives. One day I'll magically have children. I don't know how that's going to happen. I would have to go to work and tell them, oh, well, by the way, I'm going to be in late tomorrow. And by the way, I have to leave early on Tuesday. And by the way, you know, and all these things. And then I was looking to possibly change my insurance plans and all that in case I would get pregnant. I need extra coverage. And I was doing all these things like under the radar in the, like in the shadows, but I really wasn't coming out and talking to anybody about anything. And part of it also was not only did I not want to open it up and deal with it myself any more than I already was dealing with it, but I didn't want people to then ask me about it afterwards. You know, I kept feeling like, what if I tell them something? And then the next day they're going to say, oh, you went for that. How did it work out? What if I don't want to talk about it? 
Yeah. But having now written the ebook, which is which is out there, I'm curious now how much people talk to you about it. Obviously, we're, we're 10 years on. You know, your twins are a handful in double figures. Excuse um, me. Full credit here. You said twins. I have oh, three. Oh, sorry. You're triplets. <laughs> I so, just want full credit. That's no, definitely. all. <laughs> credit where credit's due. How much do people talk to you about your whole setup because the fact that you've got triplets you know you've got this book out there you obviously blog about it on a much more regular basis I think now so it's a big part of who you are and what you do is that fair to say it is fair to say and it's funny because I'm still a little bit reluctant to talk about it which is really idiotic because how much more out could I be I'm like walking in the parade practically I love to talk about it with people who are going through it or have families going through it and all that. I'm still hesitant about people that I feel like just want to know your personal business, you know? And I understand it. And and it's not probably even fair because it's a completely understandable thing that people want to know. Now, then now that my kids are almost 11, they are different sizes. And sometimes I have a boy and two girls. And sometimes people will think, oh, the girls twins, because they look, they're not identical either, because they look enough alike. And they're about the same size. My son's a little bit bigger. Now, when they were babies, you couldn't miss us because we had this long stroller that was about a mile and a half long. (laughs) And people would come up and people would always say, oh, did you have them naturally? And I used to say to them, do you mean, did they go in naturally or come out naturally? I love that (laughs) answer. I really didn't understand. And I don't know that they understood what they were asking. Are you asking me, did I, you know, did I get pregnant naturally or did, with a natural childbirth? So I would just say, well, whichever your question is, the answer is no and no. (laughs) So, you know, because I still felt like it was really intrusive, even though I'm walking down, you know, with these three kids. I mean, I was just happy. Nobody thought we were the the grandparents. I think it's, I think that's one of the problems with fertility treatment and and parents of twins and triplets is that because it's become, I suppose, much more commonly known that um, fertility treatment can lead to multiple births, quite often those questions are asked, whereas they wouldn't have been 15, 20 years ago. And the odd thing about that, though, is that, you know, the possibility of you having multiples increases as you get older naturally anyway, yeah. because you're dropping more eggs. So, so it could be that because you're older, you did treatments, or it could be you had multiples because you didn't have treatments, but you're older. And and it's just, it's funny because that's something else too, is almost nowadays you see every other person seems to have twins. And it feels like pre-1978, before IVF, before um, Louise Brown, it seemed like there weren't that many twins. I mean, growing up, how many people did you know that were multiples? That was twins was an oddity. Forget about triplets or quads. And yet, if you ask people, everybody say, well, it runs in my family. And then I think, well, it didn't run in your family before 1978, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about this kind of passage of time and, and where you are now with your book. And I, I spoke with Wendy Littner earlier, who described in Canada um, the, the funding that had changed with Ontario, where she's based, now funding one round of fertility treatment. And she'd written about it. And, and as a result of being in the public eye, had actually received hate mail for her her views on fertility treatment and I'm interested as to whether with you being out there especially with putting this more comedic light on your journey have you experienced any negativity not as much as you I would have thought to be honest and I think it's because if anybody actually reads it or reads my blog 
I think they understand that it's all about a lot of love and survival. It's not about making light of it as much as it is just surviving. It's it's kind of like you, you're just fine, you know, you're sitting in the dark and you're just humming or singing or something to just try to deal with it. It's a coping thing. It's a de-stressing thing. It's not like, ha ha, isn't it so stupid? We don't really care about, you know, what we're going through. It's that it's so serious. We care so much that we have to do something or we're going to go nuts. You know, we have to, we have to find out because if this were something that, you know, you could just freak out and it would be over in a week, you could freak out for a week and that's it. But you can't freak out if it's going to just, if it's going to be a month or six months or a year or 10 years, you have to learn how to go on with your life. And whether it's yoga, meditation, laughing, whatever it is, you've got to find ways to exist in this completely impossible life. Yeah, brilliant. You know, and I think that's what it is. Now, I, I, the only thing I, I can think of that, and I'm, I'm so happy that most people do get it and don't think that I'm, I'm saying it's not a serious subject matter. It's because it is so, so, so serious. One woman was, you know, kind of, um, kind of was, was taking offense a bit to the fact that I wrote something about, I mean, I literally wrote maybe one line about IUI in my book. Like I said, I went through it. It didn't work. And, you know, and I said something to the the effect of, I don't know anybody that it's worked for. If you do, please let me know. Maybe I'm traveling in the wrong circles. And she said, you know, how dare you say that it doesn't work for anybody and that it's the the worst thing. And and I I didn't say all that, but (laughs) I just said. I just said, I don't know anybody. And and like I said, because I think for most people, it's the first step you take because it's the closest to regular intercourse. And obviously, if you have an issue that you haven't been able to get pregnant on your own, then there's a good possibility this will not work for you unless, you know, they put you on other medications and maybe will, which I didn't actually go through that because I'm telling you, I think because of my age, they kind of bypassed a lot of things and just made a beeline to IVF because I think at 42, that realistically was my only option. Fast track you. I'm the same. I haven't heard very many success stories about IUI. So I, I, I hear what you're saying with that one. What, what would you say has been your favorite discovery from your writing? You, you do write with love. And I love one of the posts I saw recently about the infertility Olympics. You obviously come up with these kind of quirky ways, like you say, of presenting just a, it's just like a, a handholding for people that are going through it. I just love, I mean, nothing that I love more is when people can relate to it because, you know, that's, I think, the most important thing to me is that you can take people from all parts of the world and all kinds of situations. And, you, you know, you just don't know what people are going through. But if you can hone in on that one thing that connects you with that person who you may have nothing else in common with, you know, and it's just all of a sudden you just you, you just bring light to something in their lives and then they they respond to something I wrote and that brings light in my life. I mean, I, I know that sounds so corny, but I just really love that. And I think a sense of humor, even if you don't normally connect on this a similar sense of humor, if on this particular topic, at this particular time in your lives, it brings you together. I just, I love that that's something that I can do because I was very lucky in that most people when they're going through this, you know, they don't have like 20 years of experience of having done, I did stand up comedy for 12 years and then all this writing up to sort of have that go to place. 
of looking at things from a a really strange angle, you know, a, a comedic way, a kind of looking at everything askew. Um, that makes you an outsider a lot of times, you know, that I had that at my disposal that a lot of people don't. And that's what I want to do for people who don't, because you just can't hold your breath, you know, and shake and hide from the world until it's all over. Because it's, you know, it's a season of your life that may last several months or years. Nobody wants to think that way. You want to just take it a week at a time, but you want to be able to deal with everything as it happens, as it unfolds. And, and I want people to understand that, yes, it's a horrible thing, but millions of people have gone through it. We all survive it. And so you may be, you know, maybe you should make it as pleasant for yourself as possible. It doesn't have to be excruciating every minute of every day. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so important, especially if the outcome isn't the, the family that you hope for, rather than being so down and upset by it, the whole process, if you can have a little bit of light along the way, I think that is is such precious advice. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. And I think because people have to understand also that, you know, when I went through infertility, you think that's it. That's it. That's the whole thing right there. That's the worst thing you're going to ever deal with your life. Or it's not even worse, but one of the most challenging things you're going to have to deal with. Well, but then after that, I was a high-risk pregnancy. Yeah. You know? And then after that, you have to raise triplets. So it's better off, I think, that you, you get your coping skills in order before you enter into any of these things, because you're, you're never going to be able to sit back and say, oh, well, now life's going to be a breeze. I mean, it's just not going to work out like that. Laurie, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to put a link to your blog post, which has got links to your book, which is available on Amazon, your Twitter handle and everything so people can find out more about you. And thank you for chatting. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you, Natalie. You take care. Have a good day. You too now. All right, bye. bye. So there you have it. And I'd be really interested, as always, in hearing your feedback. If you want to let me know what you thought of this episode, just email natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. The show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash laugh why not have a laugh please along the way as impossible as it might seem even if you just start watching a favourite comedy series on the telly which I remember I discovered in Practical Jokers whilst uh, going through my fertility treatment and was properly belly laughing and they say it's really good for your well-being you know whilst on your fertility journey before I go just a little reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast via the fertilitypodcast.com website also on iTunes Stitcher Spreaker and Acast if you want to leave me a review always much appreciated you can also sign up to my mailing list at the fertilitypodcast.com or if Instagram is your thing I am fertilitypoddy on Instagram there are so many ways that we can connect stay with me and until the next time 